Good morning. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad I'm here in Alhambra. Alex is Alex Barrett, who's the campus pastor here. He is in Diamond Bar at our campus there. And I'm Randy Lanthrop, senior pastor, Church in the Valley. And we're, I'm, I'm wrapping up the series today that we've called God and Politics. And our goal in this series has been to provide perspective and some practical steps so that we can best play the role in society that God really wants us to play as Christ followers. Here's a quick overview of the series. Week one, we looked at One Hope, how we can face the worst of what could happen because our ultimate hope is in God, not government. We, we look to government often to fix our problems, and we need to look beyond what's going on in this world to God, who, who is ultimately in control of history, and he is fulfilling his purpose in it. He has the power to do that, and he's faithfully doing that. Week two, we looked at foundation. Uh, Alex led you through how the strength of any government is found when it lines up with God's truth. And so Christ followers need to know God's truth. We need to know what he says about the issues related to laws and policies so that we can do our part to try to influence our society to keep the foundation of our country from eroding. Week three, last week, we looked at our privilege. Christians are commanded, when God plants you in a city, in a country, in an area, we're commanded to seek the welfare of the society in which we live. We, We looked at the avenues of influence that are available to us here in our country. It's a real privilege, from voting to being more actively involved in the church community, there was a range that we looked at. A church community centered on God's word provides a healthy framework for growth for both kids and adults. And so it's it's crucial thing. Today we're going to look at after the vote. What attitude and approach should we have after it's all over, after this election wraps up in November what, what should we choose? In an election year, everything's building toward November, from the primaries to the national election. And, hey, it has been a volatile year. I don't know if you've been paying attention. It, a lot is happening in this election. But today, I'd like to consider what if your preferred candidate and what if my preferred candidate doesn't win? What what if the picture of our picture that we've sort of painted based on our candidate getting into office doesn't come into focus? What if they don't make it? And it looks like our picture is not going to become reality at all. You may have some strong feelings for or against some candidates. This is what happens. And the media just sort of aims to ramp up our emotions uh, because, honestly, that bumps up ratings. (laughs) That's what they they do. If we're anxious about what's going on, we tend to watch more news. We we try try to soak it in, somehow thinking 
we can keep it from falling apart if we don't let it leave our mind. So we stay, stay focused on it. Uh, here, here are a couple of uh, results from a search on Twitter of election. The first one is Gary Forbes uh, says, due to election fraud, America is no longer a democracy. Now, what do I do with that? As an ordinary person, what honestly, what do I do with that? I, there's not much I can do about that. It just amplifies fear that the future may not be like the life I've enjoyed to this to this moment. Here's another one from Entertainment Weekly. Fifteen celebrities who threatened to leave the country based on the outcome of a presidential election. <laughs> you read that and you think, hey, if they're leaving, maybe I should pack my bags. I'm not quite sure. What, I'm not sure what to do with that either. You add in talk radio, TV news, all the social media stuff that's flowing by, and your emotions can be fueled like a raging fire. Now, my native strategy for dealing with anxiety, I don't, I don't know about yours, but mine is when I'm really worried to keep rehearsing over and over and over again my fears because I'm thinking if I let it escape my mind, the worst might happen. Somehow, by thinking about it, I'm going to make it better. In his most famous sermon, Jesus, Jesus basically asked this question, what does worry do for you? <laughs> what does that do for you when you rehearse your fears over and over and over again? The answer is nada, zip, nothing. It does nothing for you. So as we look at the election, we need to learn to deal with our fears in faith. Christ followers are given a clear command related to our attitude and our approach toward the government, whether our candidate wins or loses. The right attitude flows out of faith, a real trust in God. Christ followers honor authority out of loyalty to God. This is what you find in Scripture. 1 Peter 2, 13-17 says this, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. This passage tells us to focus on doing good within the government structure as a representative of Jesus Christ, like we're an ambassador. Ambassadors live in another country. They're, they're citizens of a country that's uh, away. They live in another country to represent their homeland. This is what we're to do. We're to live in this world as a representative of our homeland, which once you decide to follow Christ, your, your homeland is heaven. And so we're there to represent him, Jesus Christ, the God, God who, who made us. It's through doing good that we can silence the ignorance of foolish people. 
you know, complaining and arguing after the vote, if you don't like the guy who gets into office, complaining and arguing only magnifies frustration and it doesn't doesn't help. There's passage in scripture that says just by refusing to complain and argue you can shine like a star. Because that's typical that everybody complains and argues when they don't get their way. I can throw a pity party sometimes if things don't go my way. I can just throw a fit. But if we dishonor the president or other leaders over us in government because we don't like what they do, we show a lack of faith and a lack of understanding of the sovereignty of God. He, he's rules. He, he's working in history to accomplish his purpose. God commands us to honor our leaders and obey authority. If they do dishonorable things, which they do, we honor their position by refusing to tear them down with our mouths and actions. The way God governs the world is through the authorities he puts in place. We looked at this the second week of this series. I believe Alex led you through Romans 13. And so we looked at how God puts authorities in place in the different arenas of life. And, and this is, he holds the leader, the head of that area, accountable for certain things. In this passage, you see that he holds emperors and governors to be accountable to punish evil and to praise those who are doing good. This is what God does. He puts authorities in place and then he, he rules the world through them. Husbands are the head of families, bosses the authority at work, pastors are the authority in church life. Now, each authority has a realm to govern, a circle that you can draw around their realm of authority. I lead here in church, in church at Church in the Valley. Overall, Alex is the campus pastor. He leads here in Alhambra, and I'm, I'm over the whole realm. But I lead within scriptural limits. There are limits on my authority. In other words, I don't tell you how to handle family life or make decisions for you related to your family. That, that's weird. Okay? I mean, that, that would be completely weird. So there are limits. You have a circle of your family, and you're responsible before God to make decisions related to your family. My role... Here in church life, as an example of how God works through this, is to teach what God says about family life so you can choose to align with his truth and his ways. But the moment I try to make decisions for your family that are yours to make before God, I've reached beyond my limits. If you're under authority and they're making decisions that you would make and seem to think exactly the way that you think, you aren't really following that authority. They're going the same direction you are. <laughs> but if you're following, if you're under an authority and they make a decision that you don't agree with and a decision that you wouldn't make yourself, then you have a choice. You can either follow or not. 
you either go their direction or you refuse. So after the the vote is over, what we're commanded to do is continue to show respect for the people over us and follow within the limits that God has given the government. And we're going to look at those limits in a few minutes. The way to follow is clearly laid out in Scripture. We, we tend to, here in our country, we tend to want to be able to trust the people that we are following. And sometimes we can, sometimes we can't. But the pattern in Scripture that you see is whether or not you can completely trust the leaders over you, you can trust God who is over them to do what's good for you in the midst of the, the choices that they make and the way that they're leading. So we trust God and follow the authority, whether or not we can completely trust them, because we, we have faith in him. He's working his purpose throughout history. We, we, we trust him to accomplish his purpose in our lives in spite of the leadership over us. And we know that we're currently between the times. If, if you read scripture, if you're a follower of Christ, what you find out is we're between the time of when, you know, when we decide to follow Christ, um, we have eternal life and it's promised to us. But we're between the moment when we've decided to follow him and we have the guarantee of eternal life in heaven and heaven being realized. And so we should expect trouble. That's what you find in Scripture. We should, we should expect life not to be exactly the way we want it and maybe even not, not close to the way we want it. Life right now isn't what it will be when God brings his kingdom into full reality in heaven. And so we understand this. We look forward to that day and we live respectfully under the authority God places over us to honor him as a representative of Jesus, as his representative here and now. It's interesting, at one point, David was being hunted by Saul. David had been, it had been prophesied and he'd been told that he was going to be the king of Israel. And he won a tremendous victory in battle for the Israelites. And instead of becoming a war hero, he was being hunted down by King Saul. And King Saul was going to take out this threat to the throne, who was David. And the opportunity presented itself to David to take Saul's life. And this is what he said. I will not lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. His men, I mean, Saul, Saul comes into a cave where his men are hiding out and they're going, David, this is your shot right here. Take him out. He's alone. Take him down right now. I will not lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. Because David understood what we're talking about. You honor the position of authority and you realize God put him there. And I'm not right now going to be the one responsible for taking him out. He refused to tear down the one God put in that position. 
As followers of Christ, we're instructed to honor our leaders. However, we never suspend moral judgment in doing that. Using good judgment is the only way to be a responsible patriot in our country. And so, as I mentioned, there are limits to authority. And there are times when we do not follow authority. The basic principle is we obey civil authorities unless they set themselves in opposition to divine truth and law. In other words, if our loyalty to God is challenged by government, there is no contest. We choose God. This is what you find in Scripture. At one point in Israel's history, its people were exiled to Babylon. We looked at a passage that was written to Israel in Babylon last week out of Jeremiah. Uh, and at the time of this passage being written Daniel, in Daniel 3, Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. And he decided to make a law that the citizens of Babylon would bow to worship his statue. Those who refused to worship a statue of his likeness were literally cooked. They were put into a furnace and incinerated. Three Hebrew teenagers refused to bow down and worship the statue. Worshiping the statue would have been the ultimate offense to God who made them, the God they serve. And so they they were getting set to be thrown into the furnace, and their statement when they were about to be thrown into the furnace and get cooked because of their faith in God is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew teenagers, their Hebrew names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. He, he liked these guys, and so he gave them one more chance to recant on their faith in God. One more shot. And he said, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, even if he doesn't, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So here's a... A moment when they disobeyed government out of loyalty to God. Not, not based on their personal preference or opinion, but based on their own conviction that God is real. And I'm not going to offend him by worshiping this statue or worshiping the gods of the Babylonians. So we never decide to disobey civil authority lightly, but there are times when we must choose it to remain loyal to to God. And here are some instances when we choose uh, civil disobedience. We disobey the government when it demands allegiance due to God alone. The three Hebrew teenagers just showed us this. It's our duty to obey when a ruler demands that we serve him or serve the government in some way or violate uh, his law in some way over, over him. We disobey the government when it tries to take over the role of the church. This has happened in history. It's hard for us to imagine this kind of thing happening in our country. But some ideologies, like communism, have outlawed religion altogether. 
State atheism was an official policy of the Soviet Union and other uh, Marxist-Leninist states. And there are many stories of courageous believers risking their lives to smuggle Bibles to the underground church in communist countries. Here's a picture of uh, the cover of a book and uh, Brother Andrew with his Volkswagen. It's It's a great book to read and how God worked through him to smuggle Bibles in. He would, he would have Bibles packed all in this, in this V-dub. And they, they would be all over the place, and they would come to his car to inspect his car before he tried to take these illegal contraband into the country, and he would start praying. And, and they wouldn't, over and over again, they wouldn't see the Bibles that were there. It's an incredible story. You'll have to, you'll have to read it for yourself. But this, this, these stories of people subverting the government when the government is trying to take over the role of church or thwart the efforts of the kingdom to move forward are inspiring because they were courageous. But they were, he was giving these Bibles to people who were even more courageous in using them to teach the people that they were serving as leaders. The logical conclusion of some of the ideas even popular in our country today could lead to laws that ban religion altogether. So if that if that happens, Christ followers choose to to disobey. Also, we disobey the government when it restricts freedom of conscience. Peter and John, two of Jesus closest disciples, were arrested for disturbing the peace while speaking to the people about Jesus at the temple gate. They were taken before the Sanhedrin, a religious body, a Jewish religious body given authority by the Roman government, and they were ordered to stop preaching about Jesus, and they refused. Here's what they said. Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Peter and John set the pace for us here. Whenever the government tries to force me to violate my conscience, I must refuse. It may seem like that's a long way off, but this is happening in our country uh, as laws and policies are put in place and Christian business owners are being forced to either give up their business or violate their conscience. And there are some courageous folks who are deciding to give up their business. They, they will not violate their conscience related to some of the laws and policies that are putting in, being put into place related to the Bible's definition of marriage, sanctity of human life, and other issues like that. We also disobey the government when it promotes or becomes the evil God intends it to restrain. In this passage from 1 Peter we just looked at, he says, Governors are sent by God to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. This means he holds rulers and, accountable, uh, rulers and officials accountable to preserve life, maintain order, and justice. And when a government becomes the instrument of the very thing that God designed it to stop, we resist. Now, we should resist keeping two things in mind. We shouldn't go nuclear out of rage 
but wisely choose the most peaceful path possible for resistance, and then we should expect to pay the consequences of our disobedience. The three Hebrew teens were certainly willing to do that. They showed us how to respectfully accept the punishment in faith. Nearly every election, as it, as it comes by and we go through the election cycle, the election year, there's a wide range of emotions that get stirred up. As we narrow down from a large list of candidates that's starting to happen to a few contenders until a winner is declared. History tells us that after the election, new wars will break out. Solutions to our country's problems will be presented by our leader. But the human limitations of our leaders will frustrate us again and again. This is why it's important to locate our hope in the right place. We place our hope in God, whose kingdom cannot be shaken. Now, this has been a rather serious message this morning as we've looked at some principles from Scripture. I'd like to take a little break right now as we think about where we're going to place our hope. We're going to watch a a, a clip from Rango which is the animated Western film. And we're going to look at what they say about hope and the importance of hope. There's a conversation. I would say that they're telling us that hope is important for human beings, but the mayor is a turtle talking to Rango, who's a lizard. So it's not about what well, is about human beings, isn't it? The script writers are trying to tell us something, and they... They write very perceptive lines here for us to to think about, but I'd like to see what they say about the importance of hope and how they go about bringing it to the people of that town. Here it is. Water, Mr. Rango. Water. Without it, there's nothing but dust and decay. But with water... There's life. <laughs> Look at them. So desperate to live, they'll follow it anywhere. That's the immutable law of the desert. You control the water, and you control everything. This is from my private stock. Vintage rainwater from the great deluge. Oh, not Noah's deluge. Good heavens, I'm not that old. <laughs> I guess power has its privileges. You make a good point, son. But with privilege comes responsibility. I was mayor here before there was a dirt. And I may be just a sentimental old turtle. But I think there's a future for this town. And I hope you'll be part of it. To dirt. To dirt. You see them, Mr. Rango, all my friends and neighbors? It's a hard life here, very hard. Do you know how they make it through each and every day? They believe. They believe it's going to be better. They believe that the water will come. They believe against all odds and all evidence that tomorrow will be better than today. 
people have to believe in something. Right now, they believe in you. Pick it up, Mr. Rango. Your destiny awaits. People have to believe in something. This shows us something that's true about us human beings. That we were made to believe in something or someone beyond ourselves. We, we just need to make sure that we place our hope in what's real. In what will last. Kingdoms come and go. Some dominant superpowers in history have appeared to be eternal, to have no end. The British, Spanish, Roman, Persian, Babylonian, and Egyptian empires however, have all been shaken, and others as well. None of them were eternal. When we follow Christ, we're part of an indestructible kingdom. This is what the Lord Jesus invites us into. He invites us into a kingdom that cannot be shaken, that has all kinds of blessing and benefit and good for those who step into it by giving their lives to follow Christ. When we follow him, we're part of this kingdom. It brings comfort in the worst circumstances. Look at Hebrews 12. It says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. We don't have to get caught up in fear, regardless of what social media and talk radio, TV news all of that says we, we don't need to follow the tide of disrespect that flows freely in our culture. We could stay upbeat and hopeful right now because we can trust God who's who's setting this kingdom up. He's going to bring it into reality as we step on into eternity. If we allow God's word, the Bible, to shape our perspective, not the media, we can move into the future in faith. Listen to this statement by Chuck Colson in God and Government. When every political effort of men and their institutions has been frustrated, when the kingdoms of man are utterly impotent, it is then that the power of the kingdom of God in all its glory breaks into the dark stream of history. And it is the citizens of the kingdom of God who carry that light into the darkness which cannot overcome it. This is our role. We're, we're to carry light into the darkness in the world, to, to help work with God as he brings his kingdom into reality. With that as our closing thought for this series, I'd like to ask you, if you would, to take out the connection card that's in your program. You may have begun to fill it out earlier. If, if you haven't been able to complete everything on that card, Take a moment to do that, and when the offering ushers come around, you can drop the card in the offering basket. Uh, Here are some suggested next steps. Uh, You can find these on the back of your listening guide, on the back of the connection card as well. Uh, First next step could be today to show respect toward authorities out of loyalty to God. Maybe God, as we've looked at what the Word says, what Scripture says, He's spoken to you about Changing your attitude, choosing an upbeat attitude, watching our words, responding in faith to what's going on in our culture. Secondly, 
Next step could be to base my vote on God's truth in his word, not media or a man's opinion. So this is what I'm going to do. As we've walked through this series, we've seen how Christ followers are commanded to know the scripture, how it relates to the different laws and policies, where the candidates stand on those things, and vote in line with God's truth. So I would encourage you to do that. And then finally, next week's Easter. It's going to be a good celebration, a great time to worship God and to praise him for sending his son, Jesus Christ, to live and to die and then to be raised. It's a real celebration for us. Uh, you may want to invite a friend or family member to the Easter service next week. That'd be a great thing. It's, it's really a good time for all of us to celebrate what God's done. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. And I thank you, God, for your kindness to us. As You're just so gracious and patient and loving and God, I, I just pray that as you've laid next steps on our heart, as we've looked at your truth and your word, I, I just ask that you'd give us the strength to take the steps that you've laid on our heart to take, that we might please you and honor you above everything. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.